a bunch of blockheads and welcome to Wii Universe. This is the show where we're playing every single game on the Wii U console. And yes, we do mean every single one. And that's we're, why we're assembling them brick by brick. Brick by meticulous, tedious brick. We're creating a giant size model of the Wii U out of uh, Wii U boxes, Wii I, U cartridges. Oh, man. Or I guess we could uh, probably. Cases. You could probably make a full size model in like six six. Six games. Six games, yeah. yeah, at most. Yeah, you just have to draw. I guess you could just use the Nintendo Land cover as the gamepad, and there you yeah. go. You're just done. Yeah, and you'll have as much fun as you <laughs> will in playing with a, with a real Wii U. Sure. Uh, my name is Steve Guntley. Hi, I'm Woody Siskowski. Uh We are joined today by a special guest returning once again to offer some of his Lego expertise. Uh, Neil Crow is here. Hello, Neil. How's it going? Hello, guys. A long time video gamer and lego enthusiast here well then we're glad to have you you have come to the right place because today we are talking about legos and we are talking about video games we are closing the book except for like one last little uh, page or two yeah. uh on the lego games there are so many goddamn lego games on this console yeah, oh man it's we driving played, me nuts we played some batman we played some marvel superhero characters we played some jurassic park and today we're kind of playing everything else yeah, uh, it's, you know, you never want to fall into the trap of doing activities that end up feeling box checky. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, sometimes you find yourself watching a movie where you're like, I don't really interested in this, but like, I feel like this is something that I should see. Yeah. And that's like a disservice to yourself and a disservice to the movie. Yeah. And you know what, Steve? This episode, it's a little bit box checky. It's a little box I would, checky. I was, I'm with you. I was not excited to play really any of these. No, I'm, but, I'm right there with you. I think I found a few things to enjoy out of this these four games that uh, I was looking forward to but yeah I, I I agree with you like we've played so many of these at this point and like there's not a whole lot more we can say that's new or exciting right. about these Lego games that we haven't can you just can covered. you just edit this episode by taking what we said in previous Lego game episodes <laughs> and just be like here I'll give you some voice samples the Hobbit there you go uh, Bilbo Baggins Star Wars <laughs> the Force Awakens. Uh, undercover. There, there, just like splice that in. I'll and splice then we that should, in. We, perfect. All and right. Then, like, Neil people, and I are going home. People will get confused about why we're mentioning Triceratopses and Batman, but sure. uh, they'll, they'll, you know, they'll piece it I together. Think it, I think it'll it all together. make sense. And, you know, uh, not to uh, completely defeat the uh, the tone of our own episode no. right off the bat, you know, but like, well, yeah, <laughs> these these were ones yeah, that usually we we're so to... positive and optimistic <laughs> about what we're playing. Uh, these, ones, these ones were things that we needed to kind of motivate ourselves to play a little bit, but we found some angles to cover here um now we're we're recording a lot of episodes kind of back to back to back here so uh i don't know if you have any new games that you're playing right now do you have uh, anything that's not elden ring that you're playing no mostly i'm playing get ready for a trip by cramming everything into this week game that's which a, is not a fun game oh man it, it's endlessly fun are you kidding me i do it all the time i uh, uh i managed to override my save in vampire survivors so ooh. i had uh, erased all of the things that i had unlocked but okay. it is a game where Sort of the whole game is just unlocking stuff, so I was actually quite happy to start again from scratch. Perfect. Yeah. So I still been playing that. What about you, Neil? You yeah. got anything what are you for playing? us? Um, well, I have been replaying Half Life Two on my PC. Good call. Yeah, that's that's always a good time. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love Half Life Two. Inspired a replay of Half Life Two. Well, I I recently re- played like Half Life Alex on like VR. Oh, it's so good! And it just it made me start feeling like going back to that again. And well, there has been a definite definite uh, graphical improvement since Alex. It just I I felt nostalgic to going back to Gordon Freeman again. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, Half Life Two still holds up, and then like you could play Episode uh, One and Two and just add on to the story there, like. And uh, episode three will never ever happen. Not ever yeah. at this point. We just uh, we've given up on it's. It's gone to wherever the the sixth uh, Game of Thrones book has gone. It's just kind of out in the ether. I do think that there's a point for um, companies, and Valve certainly falls under this, where they realize once they've hit on the thing that makes them a consistent amount of money, mm-hmm. why spend effort to make new things? Exactly. Like yeah. they're like, oh look, we can just continually design this like great interface for other companies to give us money through steam and like why should we put development costs on our own but you know then they do something like make half-life alex and it's incredible it is yeah they got to remind you that there's still some legs in that thing yeah yeah it's just like the situation with like Mega Man legends 3 
Oh, so right. Got, yeah, yeah, that's right. I was a right. big fan of that, and I'm still kind of sore that, that they canceled that. I remember there was a week where they just, like, summarily canceled three big upcoming Mega Man projects, like, just right in a row. It's just like, oh, by the way, like, I hope you don't like Mega Man because we're killing all of it. They had, like, a Mega Man Mario Maker kind of thing that they were going to do. Ooh, they had a Mega Man Legends 3, which was in development, and they canceled it. So, yeah, yeah, it may never arise. But yeah, I've I've been uh, still playing Hollow Knight, still been playing some Danganronpa, and uh, I started messing a little bit because, you know, I'm trying to go through all of my uh, Switch Online uh, virtual games. I'm playing a little bit of Shinobi 3, which I've never actually played. Is that Return of the Master Ninja? I don't remember the subtitle. Okay. I think so. It's the one with the horse. Okay. Yeah, you ride a horse. It's that pretty cool. That game is fun. It's pretty I great. Like that game it's a lot. Great. It's I've, very hard. I played all the Shinobi games are. But. I, I played uh, Revenge of Shinobi like a lot oh, when I was a what kid. A I played that one so, so much. One of the all time great cool games. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I'm realizing, like, I would kind of like to see a Shinobi movie that follows the Lego movie uh, template because Shinobi weirdly is like merging a lot of different like genres and styles and sometimes characters from other games like Batman and Spider-Man are both in Revenge of Shinobi. Yeah, but not not in any licensed way. No, it wouldn't make sense at all. You know, Godzilla's in one of these, I think. I mean, I like, think yeah. they literally just stole them for their game because they figured no one would care. They did. Like there's later versions like you can get multiple uh, like revisions of the Revenge of Shinobi that some of them have Spider-Man in and some don't. Some of them have removed it. Yeah, yeah my copy did have Spider-Man and Batman, so I was I uh, felt lucky that I had that. But yeah, it, it's it's just kind of funny how uh, slapdash it is. You know, you could even have a scene where Shinobi meets Ninja Gaiden, and it would just be sure. for exactly the three people in this room <laughs> and no one else. <laughs> I also yeah, beloved character Ninja Gaiden because that is his name. That's his name, yeah. Jimmy Ninja Gaiden, yeah. just like uh, uh, that that. <laughs> great uh, movie where uh, Bruce Willis plays Die Hard. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, that game where uh, you run around as Zelda in the little green hat. Absolutely, yeah. Everyone's favorite. Everyone's favorite. Or your favorite space explorer, bounty hunter, Metroid. Yes. Oh, man. Man, he's great. Yeah. Good old Metroid. Uh, all right, well, let's start jumping in and talking about these games. we got a games. lot to cover here. We have a lot to cover. We're covering four games today, in case I didn't say it at this the top. This is like We're covering... a 1,156 piece set. At least, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's my sweet spot right there. Okay. If there's fewer than four digits, I'm not interested. <laughs> it's not worth uh, So the four games we're talking about today are going to be Lego City Undercover, uh, Lego The Hobbit, Lego The Lego Movie Video Game. <laughs> Fuck that title. You said Lego so much. <laughs> and Lego Star Wars The Force Awakens. So let's start with kind of the most interesting one of this group, and that is uh, Lego City Undercover. This was released March 18th, 2013, developed by TT Fusion and published by Warner Brothers Interactive Entertainment. This was also released on PS4, Xbox One, Windows, and Switch, but it did start life as a Wii U exclusive. For, for actually a pretty long time. I think yeah. those versions didn't come out until, like, the Wii U was kind of dead. It like was 2017. Yeah, I think out. you're right. So yeah. it's had four years where if you wanted to play this, that would be the only way to do it. Absolutely. And you know what? You might want to have played this. You might want to play it. This kind of neat. It's pretty clever. So this is the only game we're going to be talking about today that's based on an original concept and not a pre-existing franchise, which is kind of an increasingly uncommon thing for these games. They all tend to just be palette swap different, you know, uh, it's your Pirates of the Caribbean, your Lord of the Rings, all of these. But this is just based your on... Your Lego Depp Herd trial. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, fuck that. Oh, God, that yeah. makes me sad. Uh, so the general motif here is based on Lego's City Line, which technically debuted back in 1978 when it was called Lego Town, uh, but it was rebranded in 2002. And these sets are kind of appealing, I think, because they are just sort of classic retro sets there's not a you're not building like the tardis or something you're building a bakery you are building a police station I mean, you are building a car you these know? sets encourage play yeah in um a way that sometimes the branded ones don't yeah because the branded ones are dependent on like trying to get all the details of the millennium falcon yes so you're like okay is all all like these laser guns in the right spot and it's like it becomes so complicated that it's really much more of a model than something you can play with. Totally. And like a city set with like jet skis and cars and like a dump truck yeah. is something that you can sort of play with on its own. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and it's kind of a fun idea. I mean, I know that you are mm -hmm. a, a fan of sort of the older Lego mm -hmm. sets that are just like the the Viking village or yeah. like, you know, the, uh, the, the castles. The night or, castles are yeah. all fan. And that, that to me was usually a big difference is the older ones... 
they felt a little more spacious in their design. Like they didn't quite have as many interactive parts, so mm-hmm. they weren't quite as cool as the ones that exist now. Uh, yeah, but yeah. They, they provided a little more space for you to kind of move the minifigs out around and play with. Yeah, and you can kind of make your own stories and make yeah. your own fun with it. So the early pitch for this game was essentially just Grand Theft Auto with Lego bricks. The original name of this was actually going to be Lego City Stories as kind of a nod to a Vice City Stories. Oh, sure. So like it was it was going to be much more explicit uh, than that. Not explicit. <laughs> you were going to be Lego prostitutes. A more, a more explicit <laughs> homage, I should say. Yes. But yeah, <laughs> I, the moment that came out of my mouth, yeah. I'm like, oh, that's going to be misunderstood. <laughs> Uh, so originally this was a Wii U exclusive, like we said. There was a 3DS prequel just called The Chase Begins, released in conjunction with this title. And it's actually pretty rare for one of these uh, Traveler's Tales Lego games to be a system exclusive. Right. Like these, these make their money because they're on everything. They're on your fridge. They're on absolutely <laughs> everything you can think of. So um, this was actually a pretty decent seller for this system. It sold about 1.15 million copies. That was enough to make it uh, the 17th best-selling game on the system. So, uh, again, there were only 20 games on the Wii U that sold more than a million copies. Kind of a big bomb, and this was one of them. And, like, this is a third-party game where it really felt like they put effort into, like, creating a fully featured game that was going to be exclusive to the Wii U. Yeah. So like most of the sort of the other exclusive games were almost all first party things. So you exactly for like yeah. big hits like Devil's Third. Right. <laughs> yeah, which we all, obviously all went out and bought right, immediately. Exactly. Yeah, I mean the the story here is actually kind of a surprising little highlight. Like it's it's pretty funny and it's full of like little Simpsony kind of references to different cop movies, different like they're they're pretty broad parodies but they're pretty funny. Your, your character here is a guy named Chase McCain. He's a legendary undercover officer who left the Lego City PD two years ago He's after kind the of bus a went bad. Pratt type, really. He really is a Chris Pratt type before the Lego movie even came out. So as this game opens, Chase is returning to his old precinct to help catch the infamous Rex Fury, who has escaped from prison. And along the way, he has to reconcile with his girlfriend, Natalia, who had to go into witness protection after testifying against Rex Fury. There's a big cast of characters here. You've got a uh, uh, hilariously inept cadet named Frank Honey. <laughs> you have a hyper-capable girl at the desk named Ellie Phillips. And, yeah, like I said, there's just lots of little uh, references and jokes. There's a scene early on where you call uh, – all the cops are called to, like, a briefing room. And some of the cops are, like, Dirty Harry or, like, Columbo or different – just uh, Sherlock Holmes is in there. They've, they've, yeah. yeah. It, I mean, all these Lego games – that's a consistent thread amongst these Lego games is they always have a good sense of humor. Yeah. But this one – it really, they really put more effort into it. Like they're fully sort of featured cutscenes as opposed to just like quips sort of over like from the movie that are over the gameplay, which is like they what would, a lot of these other ones have. They would kind of do like a very, uh, I mean, calling it Ardman esque is is very uh, overstating sure. it. But basically, they would just sort of remix things that were happening in the movie with lots of broad kind of physical comedy. Yeah, just general ADR. Yeah, and this one has like a full script and it has an original story, and it is, I think, the first Lego game to offer full original voice acting. Okay. So you know, and and plus, this is the first one to introduce kind of this open world, which would become a staple. We played the Marvel Avengers uh, Lego games where they have this big, massive open world. This is the first one to do so. But this is also a different kind of game than those. It is. like, those are still part of the Lego formula of games where there's two-player co-op. You kind of just run through these, you know, very linear areas, even if it opens up to a bigger world. Yeah. Like, your missions are still very linear, and then you just kind of break things to collect bricks and uh, then use that to build new structures. Here, the camera is like really zoomed in. So it feels like you're actually like living in this world a lot closer. Like Mm. all these other games, I really had a hard time with how far out the camera was. Yeah. I found it pretty hard to process what was going on here. I mean, this really does look like Lego Grand Theft Auto. It does. And I mean, in the other games, you're switching between like 200 different characters or Mm -hmm. something, you know, and you're always just kind of experimenting with your character customization. This time you're only playing as Chase. And the way that they mix up the gameplay is by giving you different disguises. Yeah, we got different disguises like a a firefighter who can extinguish flames with his extinguisher. You've got like the civilian, you got the police, you've got one of my favorites is the farmer who carries a chicken and he shoots eggs at people. 
That's great. I mean, you got like a you got an astronaut with a jetpack too, and a miner who can like use dynamite to blow away uh, brick or stone walls. Yeah, so I mean, there's a lot of different gameplay variety. You still have that gameplay variety you get from switching characters, but it's a much faster process. And it's a little cleaner because you're not having to keep track of what character is where on the map. And exactly. Have sort of your soul shifting from one to the other. I just and like, this this one is only single player. Like this is rare for the uh, these Lego games to not be co-op. But like having messed around with some of the co-op game co-op in the later games, I don't miss it. I don't miss no. I, I think it might be better suited as a single player game. Yeah. And like this game just feels like a lot more effort has been put in here compared to the other ones. Like I like the way this game looks. It's pretty bright. Um, and I, I, I was engaged and found the humor to be funny. Yeah. And this game, I think, does what an open world like. I'm not the biggest fan of open world games, no. but I like the idea of living inside of a Lego world. Totally. And like these other games in the Lego series never really feel like that because they're always based on these other properties. And yeah. they always feel like, oh, this is a skin of the Star Wars world, but like it, parts of it look pretty Lego-y. Sure. Whereas here, you're like, this is a world built out of Legos, and so it makes it much more interesting than kind of like the Chicago in Watch Dogs. Totally. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I mean, and there are some fun, like, Wii U features in here as well. Like, you can use the gamepad, you can hold it up to the screen to scan for criminals by reading, like, their their uh, bio signature. You get your briefings from your girl at the desk, like, through the speaker on your Wii U gamepad. Like, there's some pretty fun stuff. There's some pretty fun integration of some of these uh, elements here. Yeah, and I remember, Neil, um, I've, you, you've played through this whole game. I remember that um, a while ago you asked me if you could be on for this episode. Do you re- what, what is it specifically about this game that it really clicked with you? Um, well, it's very one of the very few like Grand Theft Auto-style games I've played. I know, I just, I'm a longtime Lego fan, and this one seemed to stick out way more than all the other Lego games. And this is the only I did play this game all the way to completion, but it was uh, it was just more fun than the others, just in general. I mean, the exploring, the 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 fun character interactions and stuff. The 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 humor is much better too, like you said. Yeah. Like one of my favorite scenes I remember is like eventually you you run into like this parody of Starsky and Hutch named a Stopsky and Clutch. <laughs> You got like a scene right out of like The Godfather. There's even like a Schwarzenegger a parody in there too <laughs> late in the game. Yeah, it's a very it's a very charming game and it's like the other games kind of all encourage you to explore and collect tons of little stubs and bricks, but this is the one that just from the presentation is actually appealing enough to make me want to do that. Yeah. Um I will say like um, the, you know, I've been putting praise on here. There's it's certainly not like a spectacular game. Like you get a grappling hook very early, which I was very excited about, Yeah. but it turns out the use for that is very limited. It, it is very limited. It can only connect to like very prearranged sort of hooks on the corners of buildings, which there's not enough of. And, um, the load times in this game are gross. They are ridiculous. Like every time you boot up this game, like, and this is kind of a huge knock against it because I feel like this would discourage you from wanting to sit down and play this. You can actually go and make a sandwich while you're waiting for this game to load. Yeah, I I believe the initial load screen, like when you boot and before you get into the city, has got to be at least two minutes long. At least two minutes, yeah, if not longer. It just goes on and on. I'm sure that's been fixed in the like later ports to more powerful hardware. Oh, I'm sure, yeah. On this version, like usually load screens are like an annoyance in games, but here they're like affect the gameplay in a meaningful way because it feels like you're losing out on game time with how long it's taking. It really does, You feel like, I'm not going to sit down and play this game unless I can play it for, like, an hour. Exactly. Because, like, six minutes of that is going to be spent with load times. It really is. Like, it's it's pretty obscene that they don't go on this long. And I don't really know why they would go on this long because some of the other LEGO games we've played have bigger open worlds, right. you know, and it's not quite as uh, debilitating. I mean, I guess this is like a fairly big game and it came out fairly early in the Wii U's lifespan. So yeah. maybe they were still kind of adjusting 
to optimizing that because it's I, I was hoping initially with that first two minute load time that like the whole city would load and then we would never see a load time again. But that is not the case. It is not the it case. It also did the horrible thing where they're like, send you a mission, you enter the mission area, and then there's a load time, and then there's a cutscene, and then there's a load time. That's the worst. Which, yeah, yeah cutscene sandwich is the worst. <laughs> Equivalently the yeah. worst. Yeah. Or sorry, sandwich. Sam- it's a sandwich. Yeah, sandwich. My sandwich has jelly and sausage on it. Yep. Yeah, that was a funny bit from this game. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I think... It's a shame that you are going to have to trade off kind of the cool like Wii U exclusive features if you want to play the game without these ridiculous load times. Uh, But that might actually be the way you want to go in the end, because I think this is a really clever, fun little game. It's one of the few Lego games I haven't really uh, uh, played through yet. Uh, and I, I would want to play some more of this. I think this is really fun. Uh, it's really clever. I love like even little details like being able to steal another car while you're driving yeah, is super fun style. for me. Yeah, yeah you're just fun. jumping from one to the other. It's great. Uh, but yeah, those load times are a serious problem on the Wii U. So maybe check it out elsewhere. Any, my, uh, uh, any last thoughts on Lego City Undercover, Neil? Um, well, the only thing I can, think in, I can add is the details of the DLC, which is... In, it was an actual Lego set you had to buy. Mm. A set of like chase chasing after a robber in an escape car. And one of the pieces is a license plate that has a code on it. You put the code into the game and you unlock like the police SUV and the escape car in the game. Which is a fun, neat feature. Yeah, I appreciate that. Like, yeah, it's, it's as far as like cross media promotion goes. That like, one makes sense because I would probably want to play with that Lego set anyway. Sure. Honestly, um, well, let's move on to our next one, and that is Lego: The Hobbit. This was released April eighth, twenty fourteen. Developed and published by the same people. Released on PS three, PS four, three sixty, Xbox One, three DS, Vita, Windows, and Mac. All right, uh, right off the bat. back to normal. (laughs) Right off the bat, I'm going to say not a lot to say about this game that we haven't said before, so I kind of want to talk about the movie and the property a little bit more than I want to talk about the game. It's kind of a weird property. It's a really weird property because it's one of those that is uh, a massive seller that everyone went to see and nobody has any affection or uh, uh, memories of it. Yeah, I have have met or like heard a few people on podcasts who like get big, warm, fuzzy feelings from this trilogy. Really? Yeah. That's surprising. Surprises yeah. me. That surprises me. But. So, uh, Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings films were, uh, I think we can agree, kind of generation defining yeah. hits. Like they were the the closest thing we have to a modern Star Wars that isn't a Star Wars. Yep. They earned more than $6 billion at the Oscars, and they netted a record number of Oscars, including a fucking clean sweep in 2003. 13 Oscars for Return of the King. Unbelievable. So it's only natural that there would only be a push to adapt Tolkien's beloved original novel into a film. So The Hobbit was published in 1937, almost 20 years prior to the Lord of the Rings trilogy. And it's a much more concise, funny, family-friendly kind of book than the Lord of the Rings series It's much more whimsical. Much more whimsical. Less dark. Exactly, and it's just kind of a quick and easy read. I loved The Hobbit. I like, did too. It was one of my. I, I've never read The Lord of the Rings. Okay, but like I, I read The Hobbit many times growing up, and I was obsessed with that Rankin Bass uh, oh, cartoon. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Which I, I, it was like that, and like the Visionaries cartoon show. Like I just rented these VHSs on repeat from our local video. I don't store. know if I know the Visionaries. It, is it's that? like they're the they're the Knights of the Magical Light. Oh, and sure. It's kind of like a techno future where they. have have like animals on their chest and then they can transform into these animals oh okay i think i had action figures of probably this. it was definitely a toy series they designed had, to sell it, it was kind of like a little hexagon that would like change colors okay yeah, i had like, one I of think these it was one of those things you like you kind of hold your thumb over it and it warms up and the yes. image comes out. It looks kind of like almost holographic. Oh, fuck. I never knew what this thing was. Well, like I, we have had the, it... I have the complete series on DVD now. Fantastic. So if you want to watch it, you can get the backstory. <laughs> all eight episodes or whatever. <laughs> that's really all there was? Oh, my God. Uh, yeah, I don't think it was a huge success. Oh, that's great. Oh, that that that's just, you know, sometimes it's great when you can close a loop like that. Like just having those random figures like locked in my head. So um, Peter Jackson expressed interest in doing a Hobbit movie even before principal photography began on the original trilogy, 
But New Line Pictures felt that Lord of the Rings would make a better kind of launching point for a big franchise. Probably makes sense. Yeah. Um, once the dust had settled from that trilogy, Jackson again expressed interest in continuing with the saga, but he got entangled in a series of lawsuits with New Line claiming that they'd withheld profits from merchandise and video games from him. Hmm. Uh, so that kind of tied things up in uh, uh, legal straits for a while. Then the Tolkien estate sued the studio for what they claimed were missing profits. So that kind of tied it up even further. And uh, while all that was happening, Peter Jackson moved on to other projects. You know, he had to get those lovely bones. He had to <laughs> exhume the bones. Yeah. We had to see them. They're lovely. Loves. Oh, man. I cannot tell you how many uh, lovely bones conventions I've been to. <laughs> Tucci. Uh, so eventually, with New Line and Financial Straits, the property was sold to MGM, where Guillermo del Toro was hired to make the film which was originally just going to be one movie. This was expanded to two over the course of production, but originally he had a vision for just like a tight, maybe a three-hour movie. Well, like, See, that's the thing, and that's why that's why this all got off the rails from the start. Is yeah. Because the appeal, like the Lord of the Rings series is like an epic fantasy series with like giant, you know, world-shattering battles and like a real build to it. Yeah. And like that's its tone. So yeah. like three movies make sense. It does. The, the Hobbit is like appealing in its sort of hominess and small scale and like the theme of that is like this small band who wants to just like stay at home and not be bothered is put out on this adventure. Yeah. And like you know, makes the bo most of it and becomes a hero, but then just kind of comes back and lives his small life. Like, it's not this giant, big, epic, world-spanning thing. No, that it just doesn't fit. And they were really kind of trying to fit a square peg in a round hole yeah. here, like, and just try and make this thing into Lord of the Rings again, which it just never was going to be. It's Nor a very different property. Yeah. Um, but after several years of development, Del Toro finally had to walk away from the project because MGM was facing bankruptcy, and their financial and legal problems had ground production to a halt. So he had commitments to work on other things, and he left. Sam Raimi was briefly considered to take over production, but ultimately uh, Peter Jackson stepped back in to finish out the series. And production was officially greenlit in 2010. Much of the original cast came back to reprise their roles, uh, including Ian McKellen, Christopher Lee, Orlando Bloom, Elijah Wood. They were all there. Martin Freeman was cast as the young Bilbo. Still really smart casting, I think. Like, sure. the man looks like, well, he <laughs> looks like a, a like a hobbit, and he looks like a young Ian Holmes. So sure. I think that works pretty well. Um, so, yeah, uh, the film was shot in 3D, and Jackson indulged in his technical experimentation phase by presenting the film in 48 frames per second, which is twice what human eyes can comfortably process. Mm. There's a reason that movies are shot in 24 frames per second, and that's because that's what we can see and understand. That's why when things are at a higher frame rate, like in uh, TVs with motion smoothing, it looks wrong to our eyes. It looks like a Mexican soap opera. Sure. It doesn't work. So they tried to do this. It, it ran in a couple theaters at the 48 frames, and uh, nobody really liked it, and I right. think they kind of pulled it It was also quickly. a weird add-on with, like, with 3D, which, because you're, you're factoring that in and, like, the weird sort of dark sludge that 3D adds to a movie. Yeah. And it became very hard to see. Well, and like, there's always a point in, like, certain filmmakers' careers when they hit a certain level of kind of uh, untouchability that they want to start fucking around with the technology. Sure. So Cameron, Lucas, Spielberg, all of these guys go through those phases where they're just like, let's just make some new technology and fuck around with it. Zemeckis is the worst of that. Sure. Like, and Peter Jackson was kind of trying to do it, too. I think he's put it into more... Uh, constructive directions because he's been doing these World War II documentaries that he colorizes. Yeah, and they look incredible. I think they're World War One. Oh, excuse but, me, World yeah. War One. Yeah, you're right. You're right. And they they're colorized and they look like yeah, incredible. That seemed cool. Like that's a better use of his time uh, for technology. But than... like this movie was something I was really excited about when it came out because like I like I said I have this huge nostalgia for The Hobbit. Um, and to see it sort of in this big theater and stretched out with this high budget. And this first movie is just such like a thud of a movie because yeah. like, you don't really process. I don't know if I was aware that this was going to be part of a like three part movie when I went to it. Well, because they, the, the animated movie is probably like 70 minutes long. Yeah. It's the whole story. And like you don't feel like there's anything missing. They cover it. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. This was intended to be two. 
And then I think just before the release of the second movie, they announced there's going to be a third one made of the deleted scenes that they had shot and kind of cut out. Weird. Because, you know, the the extended editions of Lord of the Rings were such massive sellers. Like, they were really big. So I think that was kind of the mentality. It's just like, all right, well, they're going to be paying to see the extended footage anyway. Let's just release it as a full movie. Right. Plus, these were very successful uh, when they're coming out of the gate. Like, these are billion-dollar franchises. So... (sighs) But I mean, like, it's so weird. Like, I don't think any of the movies in this series are bad. Like, they're very well done. It's just something about, like, the Lord of the Rings movies having already existed. Yeah. These feel so superfluous. And, like, the fact that it is stretched into three movies just feels weird to me. I see Neil stiffening up in his chair. I think he might have a differing opinion. What do you think? Um... Well, I guess I do have a different opinion because I actually did enjoy these movies. I went and saw them in the theaters. I don't think I noticed that 48 frames per second, like you mentioned, especially with the third movie. I guess they just didn't do it. Yeah, I think they, it was only the first, so they dropped it pretty quickly. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that's, that's perfectly fine. Like it's, it's, uh, for me, these just felt so incredibly bloated. It takes you. 45 minutes maybe more to get out of the house in the beginning and you're just kind of being introduced to a bunch of dwarves that don't really have most of which don't really have any kind of personality of their own right the only ones that really stand out are like the two hot dwarves like you know which are and and that's fine like i don't think in the book they need that much of a personality because they're like a troop they're like a gang of dwarves who go out and sort of work together, but when you... And it's whimsy, it, right? It's yeah, whimsy, because they all just have similar-sounding names, so yeah. it's kind of just like a... It's rhythmic. A, it's rhythmic, and it's a play on, you know, uh, Tolkien liked to mess with linguistics and right. stuff like that. So and then when you're of, like, okay, we need to stretch this out and learn the backstory so we can cover, like, 100 pages of this book and stretch it out to three hours, yeah. you just get a bunch of stuff that just doesn't matter i mean i think the whole battle of five armies which makes up the entire final three-hour movie is a paragraph in the in the original <laughs> sure. book like or a sentence like it, it the battle happens off screen you know in right. the book like it, it's not something that they cover in extensive detail and, and you know i think if i was to go back and watch these movies like from start to finish i'd be like you know that was pretty okay it was just really saddled with a lot of expectations yeah i can't I don't know. Yeah, I've so many people like do yearly rewatches where they go back and watch all the Lord of the Rings movies. Yeah, but I never hear anyone do that for these. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'm. I I, I skipped the second two in theaters because I saw the first sure. one. And I'm just like, this just didn't really work for me. Like, I'm not really drawn into it, and it's just kind of unimaginable to me that I would have skipped the second two Lord of the Rings movies. It's just like, there's no possible way I could have lived with myself. You know, I have to see how this Yeah, ends. and I saw the first two in theaters of this, and was the third one, I was like, eh. Yeah. And then I eventually watched it three years later, and was like, that was fine. It was fine. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, they, I don't think these movies are like unwatchable disasters. No, I think that would be a just, weird take. They're just kind of forgettable. They're, yeah. they're well done, they're well acted, but there's just too much it's too flawed it's too kind of messy and you just don't feel the same kind of passion and energy behind them uh as you do with the original lord of the rings i guess i guess it's not the same for me because i didn't read the books okay and i don't i don't think i fully watched those original animated movies but i think i've seen like remember seeing bits of them but i guess another thing about it is that i just have like kind of middling tastes i like things that I don't necessarily like things that everyone keeps talking about, mm-hmm. like everything that's super great. But I do love things that are kind of like, kind of maybe more mediocre or stuff. I just really like the stuff like, like the game Gotcha Force on the game, game <laughs> which is not one that people talk about a lot. But I really liked it. Okay, so I guess that's kind of my way with these movies too. I like the idea of one's taste is to like mediocre things. Like, <laughs> it, no, um, yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, that's that's totally cool. And I think that I think that Steve and I are maybe more in the minority here. Like, it's but. possible. Yeah. Because, I mean, look, obviously these sold like crazy yeah. well and they, they everybody went to see them. But uh, yeah, I think I just they just something about them just kind of left me cold. And as for the game itself, w- like it, it suffers from kind of the same problem, kind of the same like, problem where it's like. This doesn't really do anything that the Lego Lord of the Rings game didn't already do. That's kind of a better game, and it came out a few years before this. And 
there's there's kind of a shrug around this whole game in particular because this game covers the first two movies mm-hmm. and uh, they promised some DLC to add the third movie once that came out and they didn't even cancel it they just never released it and nobody complained which is basically which they, is there was crazy. no announcement like, of it it just kind of disappeared so there's this giant movie that comes out and then like they don't essentially finish this game yeah or, like yeah it's just very odd to have a game like this based on two big movies that doesn't really have an ending it's very strange yeah yeah it's basically just like i said the whole mega man legends 3 situation all over again it feels like yeah except there were far fewer this one was done more like out of apathy than out of like yeah whatever whatever was going on at capcom when they were acting all those i'm sure that this you know a dlc for this would have sold many more copies than Mega Man legends 3 yeah it's definitely i mean yeah i mean uh the the only really notable things about this is this is one of the games that uses actual audio from the movie and they just sort of animate silly lego figures like doing business the, in the, the, background. Mu- the music here is good i sure. mean like i like you got that, the howard shore original yeah that score. big yeah, sort yeah. of sweeping score is a lot of fun um one thing i consistently noticed is i don't know if this has to do with your wii u or the wii u in, in general but like the audio in these games is all mixed wrong yeah like this the music is usually pretty audible but when characters start talking it's about at this volume and it's the, the music is at this volume and you just can't hear and you're mostly talking. just hearing like legos clacking and i thought it might have just been settings but it's been every one of these lego right games and that's like the, d- the default thing i so. haven't super noticed it with other wii u games necessarily it was in guitar like, hero oh guitar hero was definitely mixed poorly yeah, yeah yeah so that is just an odd thing and i don't like this i have many of the same criticisms i do with all of the uh this style of Lego game, the camera's very zoomed out and like, it's very hard to tell what you can interact with. Uh huh. Um, especially like the first level you play as like King under the mountain and Thorin and you're just kind of dicking around. Um, but it's so Brown and like your characters are so Brown and like your gates, it just looks very bland. Yeah. And I think probably a struggle here too. And another reason that like, the Lord of the Rings Lego games may be more interesting is like those games you play as characters who like are from all the different races of middle earth and mm-hmm. like different clans and stuff like that. So you imagine like Legolas is going to control a lot different than Frodo. Yeah. Whereas here it's like, all right, do you want to be Thorin or do you want to be Boffer? Right. Like yeah, they're, which... they're all just like BB dwarves. Oh, I know glowing. They're very different. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I've actually played through this one. I think it was a uh, PlayStation Network like free game a couple of years ago, and I was like, "All right, I'm bored. I'll sit and play sure. this through." And it's it's fine. It's perfectly competent. It didn't really make me warm to the movies any more or anything. But it, you know, there's there's always a little clever business to to happen. And you know, these games are all just like solid like across the board yeah i mean you could for all of these like they're just in a giant clump of like ratings yeah it's just like what brand do you like care about what brand sounds most appealing to you right now that is kind of probably enjoy the lego for it that's kind of where it lands yeah Yeah. well let's move on to our next game uh which is all the brands uh this is (laughs) lego the lego movie video game i hate that title it's like a street fighter the movie the game uh, this was released February 7th, 2014, developed by TT Fusion. It should be the Same Lego people. movie video game, right? It should be, yeah, okay. but it's Lego, the Lego movie video game. Uh, this is released on all the same platforms that we mentioned before. So, the Lego movie. Oh, I, man, Neil, Neil was the guy who uh, first hyped me up to the Lego movie. I remember oh, really? he... Uh, he came over once and was like, you guys have to watch this trailer for the Lego movie. And we're like, the Lego movie? Yeah. I don't know about that. And then he showed us this trailer of, like, you know, Batman throwing batarangs. And we're like, this looks pretty good, actually. That was kind of where I landed. I think uh, when this movie was announced, everybody just kind of rolled their eyes because we were off this long spate of, like, toy-based movies that sucked. We had the Battleship movie. We had uh, more Transformers than we knew what to deal with. There was just kind of a whole bunch of these in a row. Uh, so it didn't really feel like they were going to do anything new or interesting with this idea. But I think the smart thing that they did is they hired Phil Lord and Chris Miller to direct this. They have That is always a smart thing. We should get them to direct our podcast. They really it, should. It improve really substantially. Should. I mean, their, their whole shtick, it seems, like the thing that they've really managed to carve, uh, the niche that they've carved out for themselves is making terrible ideas work. 
like giving you a terrible idea for an adaptation and they find a way to make it work. They started out with uh, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, which is an adaptation of a very slim children's book that doesn't really have a plot. And they made it into a delightful, like, uh, madcap animated show that I really like a lot. Then they did 21 Jump Street, a reboot of a forgotten 80s TV show that nobody really cared about. They made it really fresh and really funny. Uh, and both of those movies are really great. The second movie gets so meta, it's crazy. Um, you know, so they were the right guys to bring in for this. This kind of qualifies as, like, a a day that, or an idea that wouldn't sound good on paper. And well, it would sound sort of, I don't know, like you like, okay, I see like this movie could maybe be good, but like, it's probably going to be sort of soulless and corporate, like at, at its best, even if like the content here is good. Like I can't imagine that I will be charmed by it. Cause it seems so gross to have like a product name in the name of the movie. Yeah. Yeah. And then like, um, when you actually go see it, like this movie, I mean, you know, it's been much has been said, but like, what a delightful movie. It, it's just so good. It just pops with energy from first frame to the last and takes fun twists at the end. I, I think we went and saw this with you, Neil. Do you have any memories of seeing the Lego movie? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think I, let's see, did I, this might have been one of the few movies I went to, to theaters to see twice. Oh, wow. Good like, call. Like, I think I remember saw it myself or with you guys once, and then I went to see it again with my folks. Okay. And yeah, very impressive. I remember my dad came across this movie on TV, and he's like, what movie is this? Yeah. Like, oh, this is a Lego movie. It's good. And then he watched the whole thing. Like, it, it's, it just clicks. It just does. It I clicks mean, like it, a couple of Lego yeah, bricks. Yeah. I mean, I think the smartest thing that they did was there, there are Lego movies that exist before this. They were mostly mm -hmm. like direct to video, like Adventures of Clutch Powers is kind okay. of one of them. It was a popular direct to video. And the thing that those cartoons always tried to do, and actually most of the cutscenes in these games tried to do, is make the little Lego figures move like cartoon characters. Like they're, they've got rubbery limbs and like kind of big like jaws that move and stuff like that. And it just always kind of looked wrong. Right. Kind of like when you, when you adapt the Simpsons into a 3D model, it just kind of doesn't look right. The thing that this movie did was make the entire film look like it's animated by Lego. Like it is, everything looks like it is animated in Lego. Everything is built. It has that texture. It looks everything only things only move the way that Lego figures. It can looks move. stop motion, but it is not. It's not. Yeah, they just came up with a pretty sophisticated like uh, program to animate all this. Did in. I ever tell you that I was just like shelving random DVDs at the library and I came across a. Uh, brick film of the passion yeah okay. oh yeah yeah somebody, there were a few of those yeah. yeah some somebody's kid had just like decided they wanted to get into making movies so they like financed them to be able to make like biblical adaptations <sighs> of these bible stories in lego brick yeah and they were like i'm like this is a joke right and it's like no they were not ironic very sincere adaptations of this and i'm like this seems sacrilegious. Like, yeah, just, a little bit. Like, I mean, there was like a very robot chickeny. There was like a Lego Bible, like an illustrated Lego Bible that was released a while ago too. Yeah, well, you can't fault them for not having passion. Ah, but up, up, bum. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, so yeah, I mean, the Lego Movie just kind of slaps. Like to yeah. this day, I, I watch it pretty frequently. Yeah. Like, I, it's it's a good kind of background movie. It's always funny. Uh, you know, and Lego Batman was the follow-up movie. That movie's delightful. Yep. I think Lego Ninjago kind of stunk it up, and then Lego Movie 2 sort of underperformed, yeah. and uh, it, the series seems to be dead now. Like, the, the Lego I Movie franchise, they, they I think they went, they went too hard too, too fast. Much. Yep. Yeah, I think uh, it wasn't going to, it wasn't quite hitting universally, you know. Like, this first one was sort of a fluke, but it's a great fluke. I think it works really well. Uh, this game... Uh, is pretty much the same that we've seen so far. A couple of notable differences. Firstly, this is the only game in the entire series to use all Lego backgrounds. Everything else has like sort of pseudo-realistic, almost like matte painting backgrounds with a couple of Lego elements in it. This one's just wall-to-wall -wall Lego, little studs on every surface. Like Visually, it, it looks cool. I find this game much more appealing than the branded ones. Definitely. Um, because it's much more colorful. Mm -hmm. um, it's... You know, since things are built around Legos, it doesn't feel like these characters are sort of shoehorned into environments. Yeah. It feels like you are down in this sort of Lego world. And, like, I actually just find this story more interesting because, like, 
I can play the Lord of the Rings games for like PS2 and GameCube and like those games are fun. They're and still they're, good. They're that story and that vibe. I can play infinite Star Wars games that feel like Star Wars. Yeah. This is the game I would want to play if I wanted to play like there's not a lot of other games I can play based on the Lego movie. No. Which no. is a property I enjoy. Exactly. So yeah. like this game I feel like has more of a purpose and it, it can help fill in gap i mean not that the story really has gaps that you need filled in but it can provide I mean, it a little bit su- of extra it is content such a fast moving movie it that is there's like oh i really enjoyed that wild west portion of the movie i'd like to spend more time there or yeah something. yeah exactly and exactly. they use a bunch of scenes straight from the movie which yeah. you know it's a funny movie they're good scenes um and also means that you get the Great voice acting cast. Um, they pull a lot of clips from them. Yeah. Um, and they integrate them pretty seamlessly into the game. And like some of the voices are, you know, like when you hear in game Morgan Freeman compared to cutscene yeah. Morgan Freeman, it's noticeable. It does sound like Will Ferrell's recording actual like original dialogue. Right. Here. And I they can't were be sure, but it does sound like probably able that. to like pull enough from like what Chris Pratt said to yeah. like put it in different contexts and things like that. Yeah. But yeah, it, it, it's well done. It feels tr- true to the movie very much. And the only other like interesting dynamic or the unique dynamic here is that your characters are split into either builders or master builders. So just like in the movie, you have some characters that can just make things if they have the instructions. And then you have master builders who can kind of go into this fugue state and grab bricks off of the walls and out of the environment to build what they need. There's, so you have different characters like developed like there's that. also a little bit of a mini game like when you get the instructions for a set, it will actually open up into a visual Lego instruction. Yeah. And you have to choose which piece fills in. It's very it's very simple. It's just kind of like match this match the shape to its shape uh, totally but, but it is one like a uh, unique angle that hasn't appeared in any of these games so i mean far. this game feels very lego-y it feels the most true to the lego brand yeah um, in the way that for the, a lot of the other ones like the lego-ness sometimes feels like it gets forgotten and it i think the good thing you could say about these like this whole series really is that as adaptations of properties they don't feel super tossed off like they don't feel like this doesn't feel like a super quick, lazy cash-in. It feels like some effort was put into it to make it funny and to make it unique. Yeah, so. I feel like this is the one that, I don't know, at least to me, this felt like it was the one that was the most effort was put into of the licensed ones. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Let's move on to our last LEGO game, and that is LEGO Star Wars The Force Awakens, released June 28th, 2016, developed by the same people, released on the same systems. So The Force Awakens uh, debuted in December of 2015, quickly became the highest grossing film of all time. It finally finally broke that streak that Avatar was holding on to, although Avatar did reclaim it after they released the movie in China. Like it reclaimed that. So now it's like it's always an arms race between Avengers Endgame and Avatar. What is the highest grossing movie? They keep swapping because they'll re-release it. Um, And this movie was a huge deal. This was the first new Star Wars film in a decade. It was the first since Disney purchased Lucasfilm. And, you know, I think the... The prequels have kind of come around into maybe a pseudo-ironic appreciation, or maybe it's just it's oh, the one that kids grew no, up with. Oh, fucking kids, man. I don't like people, it. People unironically like the prequels now, Steve. Uh, it's, 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 it's really terrible. bothering me. It's really I know, bad. me too. These are genuinely terrible movies, and yeah. you should feel bad for liking them. Like you can, you can like your Hobbit or not, but these are genuinely bad, yeah. and they did damage to the world. <laughs> so, and the, and the Disney ones, I think, in contrast, like I think when this movie came out people were generally like enjoyed it like i think this movie was well received yeah um but now like the disney movies feel a little tainted like they yeah these have come out in kind of uh, look fandom has always been toxic star wars fandom in particular has always been toxic i feel like it's reaching a fever pitch right now where like any new star wars property comes out gets review bombed because that people have nothing better to do with the time because oh my god there might be a black person in this show like oh dear lord uh end of the world so like these were coming out at one of the more toxic times for fandom and it's a movie that centralizes a young woman a young man of color. Well, I think that this movie did 
this that wasn't like a big deal for this movie. It's like, kind I don't of been retroactively, getting, yes, yeah, exactly. retroactively, it's, it's like been sort of uh, all of that toxicity around the Last Jedi, and then what came out with the Rise of Skywalker, where it just kind of that movie sort of left everyone feeling a little bad. Yeah, nobody, nobody and was then, happy like, with that. This yeah. first movie that sort of set all that up, it just feels a little tainted now. It does. I mean, I think the biggest complaint I have with this movie is a complaint that a lot of people have pointed out, which is that it's not very good. Well, incorrect. I think I think it's quite a good movie. I think it is trying to stick to the uh, first movie template too much. Like this is kind of Star Wars, a new hope again, just with new characters like uh, but you're not a fan of this. Uh, I mean, I I. I like The Last Jedi the most because that's the too. one that feels like it was trying to do something weird and different. And I, w- I was very much just like, I just don't have that same nostalgic pull for Star Wars. So which I was is, like, this is fine. Which is totally but, fair. But like, I was in, I, it was interesting to be in a theater where like that was totally full. And then when Han and Chewie show up, like literally the whole theater cheers. That's, and I'm like, good. I'm glad you have all found your joy. It, like, yeah, that's always nice. Yeah. That's always, I mean, I, I think this is a perfectly serviceable movie. It's, it's really, yeah, uh, I think that's a good way to put it. It's slick. It's well acted. It looks great. I like, uh, I liked all the new cast members. I did too. Yeah. I mean, you know, like I don't know where the hell they found Daisy Ridley. This was her first ever acting job. I think she's phenomenal in yeah. these movies. Like she's absolutely incredible. And no, I think they're generally very good. I agree with you. The Last Jedi is the best one. I think it's the best one in the franchise. Wow. And I think uh, Rise of the Skywalker is one of the least, uh, one of the worst movies I've ever seen in my life because <laughs> I've I've gone on this tirade so yeah. many times. But it is cowardly it is the only movie i can say that i can think of that is actually cowardly they retconned the entire series just to acquiesce to like the most toxic element of the fan base who didn't like the last jedi and that is just that pissed me off so bad (laughs) that made me so upset but with all of that said yes similar to the hobbit that kind of leaves this game in a weird spot. This was in a very weird spot because it's, uh, like The Hobbit, it's kind of a standalone. They didn't make a Lego Last Jedi or Lego Rise of the Skywalker. Basically, this is the last Lego Star Wars game that we get. Until very recently. Until very recently. They they released the Lego Skywalker Saga uh, just this year, which I've been playing and enjoying. And that game encompasses everything that you have in this game plus every other Star Wars movie. So it's it's a much more comprehensive view of the entire series. It's much more polished. It has better gunplay and things like that. So there's kind of no good reason to go back to this one unless right. you're just a hyper-completist and want to play out some of these scenes in longer detail. This game is also in kind of a weird spot because like this movie is very much like table setting. Like yeah. You're getting introduced to a lot of the characters and there's not a lot of sort of big action set pieces. No, Um, not really. And so the way they sort of deal with that is like when this game starts, you're at the forest moon of Endor doing that scene from Return of the Jedi. Which is like, that's a really random place to start your Force Awakens I mean, they they have really, like, boy, Star Wars video games have drawn so much from like, um, the Hoth battle where you wrap uh, the wire around the ATAT. Like, oh, there's yeah. so many games that do that. And then the sp- Endor battle and speeder bikes. Like, yeah. that's so much of it. And it's like, let's move on, people. Yeah, I think we can, so, you know, we've got some new set pieces to explore. Yeah, and let's not go feels, back to this well again. That feels very weird here because that particular ending is really disconnected from The Last Jedi. It's yeah. just like, that's where we left things, but it doesn't have much to do with any of this. No. And uh, we've played that all before if you've played the Lego Star Wars original trilogy. Which were, the like, the Lego series that we know of started with Star Wars. Mm-hmm. The first one was a Lego Star Wars game, and it was covering the prequels, which, you know, it makes it kind of, by default, the worst game in the <laughs> franchise. <laughs> the but worst game ever made. The worst game uh, of all time, yes, yes. <laughs> checking that, yes, that is correct. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of deep roots with the Star Wars and Lego series. I don't know, this one, I played through this one as well uh, in the past. Like, this one really didn't make much of an impression one way or the other. Um, I think it was another freebie, like, that I probably wouldn't have paid money for, just because even though, even liking these games, I can acknowledge that they get a little samey after a while. You have to spread them out, you know? Uh, so like, I, I think it's perfectly solid. This one introduces like a cover based shooting, uh, for the first time, which they do cover carry over into the new star Wars, which is uh, kind of cool. Game. Cause it puts you right sort of in the action. Yeah. Also when you play as wicked, you can like 
bring other Ewoks around with you to push stuff, Pikmin style. Sure, but yeah. That doesn't really do anything meaningful from a gameplay perspective. No, nothing it's, particularly. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, I, I feel a little bad giving it short shrift, but like I have played it. It is the same as the other Lego games. There's not really a whole I mean, lot that's to really, say. That's really the theme for this episode is short shrift. Yeah, We're yeah. Like, you, every every one of these, you'd be like, yeah, it's a Lego game. Like, whatever. You know what to expect, like, except yeah. for Lego Undercover, which is its own kind of thing. That's its own thing, yeah. Um, do we have anything else to say Neil, about these Legos? do you Legos? have anything to say about uh, the Disney Star Wars or this game in particular? Um, well, as far as Star Wars goes, eh, let's just say I'm going to stick with the original trilogy and maybe uh, Phantom Menace and leave it at that. Oh, we're going to fight over that one. Oh, <laughs> boy. Oh, yeah, boy. Uh, let's just say we can all stick with the original trilogy and have a nice perfectly serviceable time i think we can um well let's move on to our rankings we're going to rank these four lego games that we played today once again i have put woody on the spot uh, by that, not that giving him totally the list in advance okay. but um, i think Steve, you probably have a good idea i'm gonna we're gonna do something different here for the first time i'm gonna give it a little bit of a uh, list maker's choice oh boy and really for all of the you can Put these whatever order you want um, after <laughs> Lego Batman 2 DC Superheroes ahead of Sniper Elite. It's just in that giant glut. Um, but actually, I will differentiate um, Lego City Undercover. I, I kind of like that game a lot. Like, it was cool to be in this sort of different world that I hadn't seen. Um, I'm going to put it actually right ahead of Watch Dogs. Okay. Um, which is a much more fully featured game. Yeah. But one I would be much less interested in playing. Um, exactly. This, this, yeah, Undercover is genuinely pretty funny. Like, yeah. And I think that's hard to pull off in a game, and it makes you want to play it a little bit more. Yeah, exactly. Like, I would want to see the story and go through the cutscenes in Undercover, whereas Watch Dogs, I just don't give a shit what goes on with. I already forgot his name, even though we talked about it last week. Oh, like, it is. Ago. Aiden Pierce. There it is. Wow, Pulled I that impressed. out of the archives. There it yeah. is. Yeah. Um, whereas all of these other ones, like I think that the one based on the Lego movie was the best. Yeah. Um, but like, yeah, as far as the, the appeal of the superhero ones, I like those really deep cut of superheroes. Um, but I don't know, man. These just all blend in. It's yeah. It's what I said. Pick a fran pick a media franchise you like and go with that. I think that's a perfectly acceptable way to do it, and it's going to be similar to what I'm doing. Yeah, I'm saying uh, Lego City Undercover is higher for me as well. Uh, I think I am putting it under uh, Cars Three. That makes it my number twenty six. Yeah, that's exactly where mine is. Uh, right, right above Cars Three, right uh, in between that and Tom Clancy's Splinter Cell. And yeah, the rest of these I am putting in my little Lego corridor. My Lego corridor is a little bit more spread out. Okay. I think um, the Lego movie game, I think, is the best one of these that we've played. Uh, so that's going right above Lego Marvel Super Heroes. Uh, and I think Hobbit is the worst of these that we've played. Sure. So that's going to be down below uh, DC Super Heroes 2. Uh, and then uh, Star Wars is kind of in the middle there. Uh, it's all going to be on the website, ultra64podcast.com. <laughs> If you want to see the full comprehensive list and see where these actually uh, land in in context, but uh, you know these do tend to blend together. We have one further experience with Lego coming in the future, where we're going to be playing Lego Dimensions, like the Toys to Life game. We're going to be playing that alongside Disney Infinity. Uh, but Neil, let me yeah, pass this off to you. Give, a, give us your thoughts on these, Neil. Final thoughts. Um, well, I haven't been keeping up on my list, unfortunately, but I'll just rank them as how I play, how I like them. I I'll put like Lego Undercover first, definitely. Um, the Lego Movie second, uh, Star Wars third, and Hobbit last. I guess, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think we're all pretty much on the same page with that order. That 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 feels right. Yeah, yeah, I uh, think so. Yeah, so we have one more one more toys to life. I was pushing Lego Dimensions for this episode, but now I'm glad I'm glad we didn't have to do that. Was, that, that was enough Lego. And I think that one's going to be yeah. much more involved, and uh, uh, it's going to have some interesting mechanics there. So we we can get into those at a later date. Uh, but thank you everybody for listening. Thank you Neil for being here and providing some of your expertise. We really appreciate it. Um, be sure to tune in next week. We're covering another couple of little indie games, which we always love digging into. We're going to be playing Terraria, which is kind of a 2D Minecraft game. And we're going to be playing SteamWorld Collection, a couple of the games in the SteamWorld series. I've played SteamWorld. It's fun. SteamWorld is fun. Yeah. I like SteamWorld. I'm excited to dig into these. So uh, tune in next time for that. Thank you, everybody, for being here. And we will see you next time. Everything is awesome. Everything is awesome. Everything is cool when you're part of
great time for my awesome community. I feel more awesome than an awesome possum. Dip my body in chocolate frosting. Three years later, I shot the frosting. Smelling like a blossom. Everything is awesome. Step in the mud, got new brown shoes. Awesome to win and it's awesome to lose. Awesome to lose.